Okay, amazing. So welcome back to what is episode three of the King's uh, Discussion. Uh, my name is Nick. Today I've got Jamie, Jeremy and Simon with me. Really great to have these guys and we will hear from them very soon. So as said before, this podcast is just an opportunity to look at questions being asked by the congregation as we've been sharing through the Book of One Kings on a Sunday morning. We've got quite a few questions today. We'll see how we get on. This might need to be split into two episodes, but we will be looking at potentially chapters four, five, six and seven. Um, we've had a really good number of questions come through which is amazing so we really want to encourage you to keep doing that but naturally some questions do have a little bit of overlap and that kind of thing so we're going to at least hear from uh, we're going to hear each question let me say and we might combine some answers but I thought without further ado let's get into it so starting looking at chapters four and five which was a teaching that I did a few weeks ago now. Uh, the first question someone asked is, is wisdom a gift or can it be learned? Perhaps there's something of both. Uh, I'll, I'll add in the other kind of wisdom questions I think at that point, at this point, and we can kind of answer them. So that was the first question, is wisdom a gift or can it be learned? Perhaps there's something of both. Another question from this uh, teaching, which is also around wisdom was, isn't it a bit weird that despite being famous for his wisdom, Solomon was so blind to it in the context of his marriages? And on top of that, is it okay to be a flawed leader today? Uh, and then there was a final question from the most recent teaching that Jeremy did on chapter 7, which was, surely if wisdom is to put God and his kingdom first, Solomon wasn't very wise. So these questions came up over a couple of different teachings, but it's focusing on on the issue of wisdom which we have kind of chatted about uh, here in these podcasts but naturally Solomon is so closely associated with wisdom that as you kind of go through the story and see some of the crazy things that happen happens it's a question that comes up so guys um those questions around wisdom would anyone like to kick us off I know I've sort of thrown them all into one but you can kind of take any aspect of those questions that you want to follow um I guess well, I, I suppose the first one of those was: is uh, wisdom a gift, or can it be learned, or is it a bit of both? Um, I mean, I guess for me, I, I think I would lean towards it being a, a bit of both. I think clearly in this story, wisdom is a gift, um, and it's something that God gives to Solomon. Although I think last time. <clears throat> when we were doing the podcast, um, I sort of was reflecting on how actually when, when Solomon asked for wisdom, he asked for a hearing ear. Um, and the language is actually, it's not like wisdom that he asked for, it, it's a hearing ear. And also just reflecting on that idea that that wisdom, I think, is, is linked to that ability to hear Jesus in the moment and almost that proximity to him. And we know from the New Testament that um, Jesus is the source of all, all wisdom. Like it says in Colossians that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. So it would naturally follow that, that the closer we are to Jesus or the more we listen to him, the more we're open to what he's saying and how he's leading us, 
the more wisdom we have, rather than just that sense of accumulated life experience that we tend to think of in a worldly way. Um, and I just think of, when I think of wisdom, I think often it is sometimes counterintuitive. I remember a story about uh, Richard Cole when I think, um, I can't remember the details, and Jamie will probably uh, correct me on it, but I, I think there was um, the rebels were coming to attack and and Richard and and some others were I think in in the compound or in some kind of building and there was this question of do we run away or do we stay put um, and I think a lot of people were running out of their homes and and into the bush or, or, or kind of into a different area to try and escape the rebels but he just felt very clearly that the right thing to do was to stay put which might have seemed a bit counterintuitive but for me, it's that sort of sensitivity to what Jesus is saying in the moment. And, and often wisdom looks like not what's the, the kind of natural thing to do, not what is everybody else doing, but what is God saying? And I think um, at Solomon's best, he, he demonstrates that. Um, and at, at his worst, he, he would lean more on kind of conventional uh, received opinion. So just a few, I guess, thoughts to kick, kick things off there. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Jeremy. Jamie, do you want to? Jump yeah, I, I think I would think of wisdom in terms of um, rather than the channel of it, like is it by reading books and learning or is it a gift from God, more of thinking about who is the source of wisdom because all knowledge belongs to God. God gives uh, gives wisdom. Proverbs 2 talks about that. But also the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And so that, that idea, and Jeremy said with that Colossians verse that, all wisdom originates from God. And to be honest, if I can learn something, is that not a gift in itself? The ability to learn is a gift from, from God. But um, So knowing where it comes from, and in James it talks a lot about wisdom in chapter 1 and in chapter 3. So if you lack wisdom, ask from, it, from God, who's generous to give. But what I find quite interesting is then to think, what is wisdom for? And so Jesus talks about the wise man who built his house on the rock, the rock being the words of Jesus. So similar to what Jeremy's saying, but it's almost the value of wisdom is in what it does. And so um, in James 3.13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. And so it's, there's a there's a result of wisdom that has value and James 3.13 talks about wisdom um, from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. What I'm seeing is, so if the key thing is about wisdom being expressed, the expression of wisdom is revealing the character of God, which is God's whole purpose, is he wants his glory, his nature to be displayed to the, through the world. So it's, is my, the wisdom that I get from God, if I'm putting that into my life, you will see fruits of that, which is dis, to display what God is, God is like. It's not just this, this decision or that decision, it's does it point back to the giver of the wisdom in the first place? Mm. Cool. That's really, really good thoughts. Okay, excellent. So back to, uh, yeah, chapter, this would have been from chapter four. So uh, when we were looking at Solomon kind of appointing his senior ministers, his his government, as it were. So someone's asked a question, 
Appointing a manager over slave labour means it was important for the administration of the king. How can Christians claim that the Bible is a moral authority? Who'd like to take that question? I think this is an easy one because we've touched upon it quite a few times in the past with various things. And just because stuff was written about in the Bible does not mean it was condoned. Now, the whole point of this was a vast endeavor to construct the temple and the palaces and everything. And it was that important to Solomon that it had to be done properly. So even though people were brought into slavery to do it, there was the people in charge of the slaves. So it wasn't just like the the, 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 the slave traders that would be running things. It will be the managers who, if they have been appointed in good stead, would do good for the slaves. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Um, slavery was abound all the way through at that time in, in, in humanity. And just because they were slaves doesn't mean they were not treated well. So, um, yeah, I think it, it still boils down to the fact that just because it was written about does not mean it was condoned. Cheers, Simon. I guess in, in, in the same way that a newsreader might not necessarily give an opinion on what they're, they're reading. Sometimes the Bible is accounting for, for facts. But, I mean, take, take the idea of polyg polygamy. Um, the Bible talks about one man and one woman coming together. Um, throughout the scripture, there are stories of men having multiple wives. Not every time it is referenced is it condemned but the Bible does show you the consequence of, of it, and it's always bad. And even in this story, by the time we get to Rehoboam in a few chapters, you're going to see the bitterness towards the, the slave labor. Um, and so there was, there was damage that, that was ultimately done from, from this, but it doesn't mean that the Bible approves of things that it states. Mm. I guess it's just, you know, hearing those answers, which are both really helpful, and thinking about part of the reason why we're doing this King study is because there might be a lot of people attending on a Sunday who aren't necessarily too familiar with the Bible. You know, even people that maybe have never opened or read the Bible before would assume that it's like you know a moral handbook or, you know, those kind of things, which it is, but it's, you're not necessarily expecting to read stuff that isn't necessarily opinion or, so I, I just, I'm just kind of reflecting on the fact that it's it's a very complex book there's loads of different types of writing within it and um you know even within the bible it talks so much about um just kind of like oh, i can't think of the word but sort of dwelling and meditating on scripture and i've always thought what does that mean to meditate on scripture but i think it's like part of it is there is so much we can um read on face value but god's really calling us to what does it mean to kind of really think about this stuff? And I think when we're looking, just hearing about like slavery and polygamy and those stuff, you could read it on face value and be like, okay, was God okay with this? But actually it's just, just a reminder to me of like the Bible is so rich and, and complex, but it's inviting us in to kind of um, dwell on it and, and think and consider. And also I think somewhat in our culture now, with all of us being able to be, kind of armchair or computer chair critics on everything, there is a premium on us getting our opinion out. Like we struggle to 
account without giving an opinion and uh, the idea of you've got to be authentic by condemning stuff immediately. Oh, that's I think that's a fairly new thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, even in on news channels, I mean, they've got to fill 24 hours, but there's so little that is actually news and stating fact. Most of it is opinion. Hmm. People saying their verdict on what's yeah. going on. And sometimes it does as well not to quickly jump to an opinion and dwell on something and see what God is saying to us in it. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so moving on to chapter six. Uh, um, sorry, Nick. We've we not um, commented on is it okay to be a flawed leader oh, today? Yes. Sorry. So we did kind of look at the the, the wisdom um, questions, but yeah, on top of the question about how was Solomon getting into all these silly marriages if he was wise the following question from that was is it okay to be a flawed leader today my, my answer to that is i hope so <laughs> because i am flawed yeah. i don't think there's anyone that isn't flawed and if god was not big enough and powerful enough to work with with flawed humans he'd scrap his whole plan yeah. his plan was always inviting humans into a unity with him and be part of the ongoing creation of this world and the filling it with his glory he wants to do that through people he knows that people are broken and are being put back together from one degree of glory to the next so i think the the difficulty we find and lydia talked about it where's the hero in kings where's the hero in the bible apart from jesus mm-hmm. and the the bible does not give us great heroes and examples that we should follow consistently it gives us a God who was willing to work with flawed humans throughout, right from the beginning of time. And so it points back to the goodness of God rather than the perfection of humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the same time, though, it, it's important to point out that God isn't okay with sin. Um, so whilst, yes, it, it is, you know, we are all flawed and certainly anybody in a position of leadership will also be flawed. Um God, God is about our holiness and our, our sanctification. So whilst we have flaws, living in that conscious sin and, and making decisions that we know are sinful and that we know are wrong, um, God isn't okay with that. And, and he invites us into repentance and that journey of sanctification and, and walking with him. So yes, you know, it's okay to be a flawed leader, but, but no, it's not okay to uh, just be resigned to the fact that that I'm flawed, I, I'm never going to change, therefore I can I can make decisions. And it's interesting looking at Solomon because um, he is flawed, he makes bad decisions. And sometimes I, when I look at, say, his wives, for example, the question in my mind is, is that just, does he know that that's wrong? And he's like, I know this is not a good idea, but I'm just going to marry a bunch of, bunch of women anyway. Or... Does he just genuinely think that that's a good idea? Does he genuinely think, you know, I'm making these alliances, this is wise, this is good, this is what everybody else is doing? Um, and I was reflecting on how actually there, there is very clear instructions in, in the Old Testament and Deuteronomy about how a king should live. Um, and it, it makes me wonder, was he ignorant of that? Or did he know about that and just choose to ignore it? Um, and, and I think that sometimes when we talk about, you know, making mistakes there's there's mistakes that we make because we we've just wandered into it and oh my goodness i made a mistake and there's mistakes we've made because we have almost willfully you know ignored something um 
And so it just as I reflect on this question, it makes me think about Solomon and, you know, what was the origin of those decisions? And, and you know, was this something he consciously did or was this something that um, that he didn't know about? Ultimately, I don't think we know, but it just I found it interesting to kind of think about that. And it's interesting when you think about was, was he ignorant because we, we get to it in the later chapters, but in Deuteronomy, it sets out what the kings of Israel will be required to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe there's a point in there that they should copy down the law. They should practice mm-hmm. writing it up. It's like almost doing lines. And, mm-hmm. and um, But there was a instruction, don't be ignorant, study what God wants. Mm-hmm. And then if you think of the wisdom that Jesus talked about with the wise men, hear these words and build on it, there is a requirement of us find out what God wants. And so we can live our lives almost, oh God, help me decide if it's this university or that university. Well, I think God can help us in those things. But is there a desire to know the ways of God beyond just Mm. almost like, I need God as a, a roll of a dice or a lot to be able to pick which way in this. Am I wanting to build my life on the nature of God and, and the desire of God? I think that is more where wisdom finds its place. Yeah. Cool. All right. So moving on to chapter six, um, and this is from a teaching that Jamie did. So this question, first question is, the Holy of Holies was the place of God's presence. How could anyone know him if they couldn't enter that place? It's a really good question. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't feel like I have a, a conclusive answer, but I, I think just as I look at the Old Testament, I look at just different characters there. Um, I can see many people who did have relationship with God um i can see many people that would even be considered i talked about as almost having friendship with god um and that's before the tabernacle was made that's after the tabernacle was made um so i think there is this you know throughout the bible there is this sense of being able to uh to have relationship with god to, to talk with god um but as i can see it it's almost um, in the Old Testament where, where you know, and especially where God sort of um, appoints a place for, for his presence to dwell in the Holy of Holies, it's like those encounters with God and those relational moments with God tend to be a bit more unpredictable. Uh, they tend to, to centre more on kind of objects or moments in time or specific uh, situations like the burning bush. Um, you know, there's this strange thing in the bible called the urim and thummim i don't know if people have come across that and again i feel like sometimes the bible just throws in words that i know funny it's weird that. yeah but it's basically these things that like the priests seem to use to discern god's will and so it's this kind of mysterious process of like understanding god's will um and you compare and contrast that with with the new covenant and that sense that we have the spirit of god in us it's just a night and day difference so yes there is knowing God in the Old Testament, um, the Holy of Holies is the place where his concentrated presence dwells in that that very kind of permanent concentrated way. Um, it's not to say that there aren't ways that people can, can know him and, and talk to him outside of that. Um, but ultimately there remains this barrier from a kind of ongoing indwelling relationship that we have now. 
Mm. Um, don't know if anyone wants to expand on that. Yeah, but I think just adding on to that, I think with 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 the whole holy of holies, I think from when I heard it or read about it, it was like this is what Jesus was. This is why we needed Jesus because even though God was here in this place, He was still having relationships with other people away because a lot of the stories were happened away from the holy of holies when when god's revelation to Solomon, for example it wasn't anything to do with that um and all the other times were all away from the holy of holies so even though that was where god has established that that is where he wants his place his his spirit to dwell he's still about and he's still coming to meet with us which is why we needed jesus because there could never have been one place that would contain the the, the aura of god or the 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 entirety of the Holy Spirit, so it's the outpouring onto us, mm-hmm. and that's 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 I think that's what stood out to me right there. Yeah, yeah, I, I I would I would really agree with that. I think the reality was under the old covenant, it was restricted. The level of relationship that was possible with God as as fallen man with sin in the way, it was incredibly restrictive. And you, if you got to be the high priest, you got to go in. If you were the anointed one, whoever God was particularly working with at the time, whether it was David or Moses or any of those those kind of guys, that they seemed to get a level of relationship which does not appear to be as available for everyone else. And the Holy of Holies was this incredible, sanctified, holy hotspot that so few people ever saw. Now compare that with what we have, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that his spirit is poured down into us. Like If we had any concept of what we have today, it would blow our minds. And I'm, I hope one day I will understand a little bit more of what is now available through what Jesus has done for us. Yeah. Cool. I reckon we've got time for a couple of more questions. The next question off the back of the teaching on chapter six was should we stop talking about heaven as a place where we go when we die and i'm assuming this was coming a lot of jamie's teaching talked about heaven coming on earth and heaven and earth combining so whereas yeah in the world heaven is some place in the clouds or something where you when you where you hope to go when you die so should we stop talking about heaven as a place where we go when we die Nice, easy questions. As well. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 like, I, I think it's a good question. Um, I personally am not too interested with regulating language. I'm more interested in coming back to, well, what is the New Testament putting an emphasis on? And when it talks about kingdom of heaven, uh, John the Baptist says the kingdom of heaven is at hand or, or it's near. And so that's accessible without the prerequisite of being dead, which is... That is interesting, and I think that we we had that Bible project video of eternal life that that Avril played a few weeks back, whereas it's accessible now. It begins now. In terms of heaven as a place where we go, where we die, I mean, if heaven is God's space, and if when the thief on the cross um, recognised who Jesus was, Jesus said, "You'll be with me in paradise." There is a sense, well, you are going into God's space. You are going to heaven. In um, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, 
Paul's saying when someone dies, that when they're absent from their body, they're present with the Lord. So that is in God's space. Paul in Philippians 1 is saying, I, I can keep living in this body, but I'd prefer to be with him. And so rather than like a location, it's about the idea of being with God mm. in a completely pure state. Mm. Um, but the, the issue is about emphasis. So Jesus was always talking about um, praying for, for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom um, of God coming here on earth. And throughout all of his preaching, um, I heard this definition that the kingdom of heaven is described as a process, a course, course of events whereby God begins to govern or to act as king or lord, an action therefore by which God manifests his being God in the world of men. So it's it's the same ruling that he does in his space, completely in our space as well. And I think that that's the emphasis. We want to see his rule here more than we want to escape to something. And I think that's that's what we want to make sure that we're careful of. Um, this idea of escape well God's put us here for impact yeah Yeah, I think not a lot to add to that really but other I think when I I think about heaven and earth what I suppose gives me focus is almost looking to the long-term goal of of God which is to create a new heaven and a new earth here where we are and, and almost that that sense of the things that we're doing are not just going to disappear and we all sort of fly off into a completely separate dimension that actually there is an eternal weight to our actions now and our decisions now like Jamie was saying that sense of you know the kingdom of God is is coming and it will come and it's going to be a renewal of all things and I just feel like that just gives me a completely different perspective on how I live my life than suddenly you know it's all right because I'm going to die and then I'm going to be be somewhere else um so yeah that i just find that a helpful way to to think about it it's about what what god's going to do here and how he's going to transform this reality rather than whisk us off to somewhere else cool um i think we've got time for one final question and then we'll call it a day there what would happen if the temple needed repairs how could duty fix the inside if they were only allowed in once a year from a practical point of view i thought about this and i thought wow how would an electrician get into a fix <laughs> yeah. and, and 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 i thought well they would have had levites trained in certain other things that would have been the upkeep and care of the temple but all this is just speculation because we have you no know, idea some levite electricians yeah yeah, yeah. and plumbers you know you need, they need a few <laughs> i can just imagine Oh, that's going to cost a bit, that is. <laughs> um, I, I don't really have many thoughts on this. The Bible doesn't talk about it, therefore I, I, I don't think it's the biggest concern for us. Um, I don't really know what would get broken in the Holy of Holies. Um, so I, I have no, no further insight, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, me, me neither. Um <laughs> Although, you know, it, it wasn't around for a long time, was it, before it started to get destroyed and stuff. So maybe it, maybe it didn't. didn't. <laughs> so someone stole it before it got smashed. Yeah, yeah. possibly. 
Okay, well, thank God we got Simon the electrician to really give us some insight on that one. Okay, so we're only really halfway through the questions on chapter six, and then we have a bunch from chapter seven as well. But given the time, I think we'll we'll leave it there, and we'll come back soon to answer the rest of the questions. And we might even have some from chapter eight by that point. So, uh, guys, thank you very much, and we'll speak again soon.